Let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to 1 Kings chapter 1. Now, 1 Kings chapter 1 tonight. The Lord's help, we're going to look at the fall of Adonijah. The fall of Adonijah. Does anybody know who Adonijah is? Raise your hand if you know who he is. No? He was the fourth son of King David. And when David was dying, he thought he could take the throne. 1 Kings chapter 1 tonight. 1 Kings chapter 1. As a matter of fact, he fills up a couple chapters. And it's quite an interesting story. And quite a, really a strange story. There's some odd things that happen in here that kind of tell, uh, cause the child of God to wonder, is that just, just right? Is that the way that King David should be behaving? But we'll look at it and we'll explain it a little bit and hopefully we can understand. 1 Kings chapter 1. And uh, we'll try, <clears throat> you can hear I'm losing my voice again, so just I appreciate your prayers for strength. I ask the Lord to help me get through the day, and he has so far, and I didn't even take a nap, amen? So I, I, I tried, it wasn't for lack of trying, but I, I just couldn't fall asleep. So the fall of Adonijah, let's look at First Kings chapter 1. <clears throat> and verse 1, now King David was old and stricken in years. And they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. And by the way, if you're wondering how old was David, I mean, to say you're old is one thing, but to say you're stricken in years, that hurts, doesn't it? That, that sounds pretty bad. He was 70 years old. He was 70 years old, and he was old and well-stricken in years. I'll let you make the application. I'm not going to insult anybody here tonight, all right? But the Bible says is this, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. You ever felt like that? You ever been sick and where you just can't get warm? And that's how David was. His body was failing him. Wherefore, his servant said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord, the king, a young virgin. Let her stand before the king and let her cherish him and let her lie in thy bosom that my lord, the king, may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coasts of Israel and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair and cherished the king and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. And so this sounds like a strange thing going on, doesn't it? Let's find a young girl to come and lay with the king and keep him warm. It really sounds like a kind of a strange situation, but Josephus, who was a historian of the Jews, writes down, and he literally calls this woman a physician. That was considered a medical practice in those days to use body heat to help warm somebody else up. And so um, it seems odd to us, but that's what was going on here. This young girl came and she was to help keep David warm and to cheer him. And then the Bible says in verse 5, and here's where we get into Adonijah. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? And he also was a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they following Adonijah helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei and Rei and mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. 
All right, so we can see kind of a falling out here. We see what's going on. Adonijah exalts himself and says, I will be king. And he gets some guys on his side. He gets uh, this Joab, uh, the son of Zariah, and he gets Abiathar, who was a priest. Now, he was not the great high priest. The Bible does not say that. He says he was a priest, the priest. But then we see there's another priest, Zadok the priest, and Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet. Now, Nathan is very crucial in all of this. Understand why it's so important to have Nathan. We'll look at that. And some others and some of David's mighty men, they were with David and they were not with Adonijah. They did not give their endorsement to this young man to be the next king of Israel. They, listen, were waiting on the word of the king. They were waiting on the word of the king. It's so wise in our lives if we would do the same, to wait on the word of the king. I want to preach a message tonight with God's help, the fall of Adonijah. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we need your help, and we pray, Lord, that the authority of the word of God would speak to us. Lord, that you would help us. May the spirit of God teach us and uh, drill it into our hearts, these important principles that we'll look at tonight. And so, Lord, uh, there's a lot of scripture to cover, and we'll just kind of skim through, but I pray that, that you'll make it alive to us. Help us to see the story unfold before our eyes, and help us to understand <clears throat> exactly the situation and why uh, Adonijah fell and how we can avoid the same fate. So, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength for both my body and my voice, and I need your spirit. Lord, speak. Lord, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Adonijah was the fourth born child of King David. And it wasn't the same mother. All four had different moms. If you were to look at 2 Samuel chapter 3, you will see a listing of the sons that were born to David at Hebron. And of course, Adonijah would be listed as number four. Here's what we know. We know that his firstborn son, Amnon, and we also know that Absalom have already died. They're gone. There's another son in there, the second son, his name was Chalia, C-H-I-L-E-A-H. Any of you expecting moms, that's a great name, Chalia, all right? We don't know anything about him. As a matter of fact, from 2 Samuel chapter 3 is the only time he's mentioned in the entire Bible. So it's likely that he's probably died in a battle or something's happened because he is not listed as an heir to the throne or perhaps of the lineage of David any longer. He's gone from sight. We don't know what it is. And so the fourth-born son is this fellow by the name of Adonijah. David had lots of kids. He had lots of wives. He had lots of children. But this was now the oldest. And as David was lying and dying from this illness of whatever it was that he had in his body he was suffering from, Adonijah said, I will be king. And much like Satan when he said, I will those five times in Isaiah, it was the beginning of his unraveling. As pride jumped up into his heart and deceived even himself, and we see his path headed to certain destruction. Let's examine this a little bit tonight. You know, Adonijah saw his opportunity to ascend to the throne. And what would happen over the next few days would send Adonijah on a downward spiral and listen to this, it leads all the way to his death. He would die because of his pride. Not because he wanted to be king. You'll see later on where his pride took him. 
James chapter one and verse 15 says this, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. <clears throat> here's, here's the thing. You say, well, I, I'm so glad that I'm not like some of these folks in the Bible that had all these struggles. Listen, be very clear about this. Adonijah was not a murderer like his father. Adonijah was not caught up in immorality like his father was with Bathsheba. Adonijah was not a liar. He was not a thief. He didn't steal, abuse, or hurt others. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was a very goodly man. Think about that. He said, well, I kind of put myself in there. You know, I'm a pretty good person. But even good people can suffer with pride. Matter of fact, when the moment we think we're good, we start struggling with pride. And that's exactly what happened to Adonijah. He said, I will exalt myself. I will be king. And I want to notice some, some things here quickly tonight. Number one, we see the sin of self-exaltation. The sin of self-exaltation. The Bible says in verse 5, then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself. He promoted himself. He lifted himself up saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Uh, he didn't just sit around with these other men, these advisors, uh, Abiathar and Joab, and say, you know, I think maybe I'll be the next king. It's looking like my father David is on just had a short time left and I'm the next oldest son and it just makes sense by both custom and culture that perhaps I, in the next few days, I will be crowned king and Abiathar, I want you to be my spiritual consultant. You are the priest and, and Joab, I want you to, to go along with me and to help me and, and, and to be a, a leader among my people and, and it wasn't like that at all. Instead, he took these men very, uh, very nondescriptly, I will be king. Not only did he exalt himself, he threw himself a parade. The Bible says he got chariots and horsemen and soldiers, footmen to walk before him. He was exalting himself. And we see, first of all tonight, that it was prideful. And I want you to notice some things we see about pride in the life of Adonijah. Number one, pride will lead to self-reliance. Pride will lead to self-reliance. You know, I've learned there's been times where I've studied out a passage of Scripture and got a message ready and thought, oh, man, that's that good. That, that's going to preach and fall flat on my face. There's been other times where I say, Lord, really, you want me to preach that? that that's the message that you would have me to preach? And I say, okay, Lord, but you're going to have to help, and I have to get on my face and beg God and say, God, I need, I, you need to give me every word because I don't know where that's going, and the Lord blesses it and uses it. Pride causes us to be self-reliant. I remember years ago going to a young man and saying, listen, I, I'm going to be away, and on Wednesday night, I would like you to, to preach the Wednesday night prayer meeting. This was in Hamilton. And he says, oh, pastor, I can't do that. And I said, why not? He goes, I'm just not worthy. I said, you're the guy I want. That's the attitude we want. Somebody that's going to pray about this. Somebody that says, I'm just not worthy to open up God's word. And listen, nobody is. But not relying upon self, not, not relying upon our own giftedness. And Adonijah thought for some reason that he should be king. And pride leads to self-reliance. Listen to what the Bible says. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Self-reliance. 
We have to be careful when the pride gets in because we won't seek the Lord. And by the way, Adonijah did not seek the Lord in this, did he? The Bible doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, in chapter 2, Adonijah will come to, uh, to Bathsheba and he will say, I see now that this was not of the Lord. But he didn't see it back then. Just a few days earlier, he was declaring he would be king. Pride leads to self-reliance. Number two, pride leads to shame. Pride leads to shame. This must have been embarrassing. Can you imagine throwing a parade? I don't know how many chariots and horsemen were in this thing. The Bible says 50-foot men were running ahead of him. I don't know how many, maybe a 1,000 people in this parade declaring he is the king. Not only that, the Bible will list in a minute all the animals that they would slay and have a great banquet. And he'd have all kinds of people, and they would celebrate his coronation. And then they heard the trumpets blow, and they knew that David had declared Solomon king. Boy, that'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Because of pride. Pride led to shame. Listen to what the Bible says. It says this in uh, Proverbs chapter 11. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. First Peter 5 verse 5 says this. Be clothed in humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Adonijah must have had a hard time walking around the kingdom for a little while because of the shame. Pride leads third to a struggle. Proverbs 13 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. He's trying to fight for what he was. Notice what it says there. I believe it's in verse 6, where it says that Adonijah convinced these men, and the Bible says they helped him. Understand this, if he is the rightful king, and he's going to be put there by Nathan the prophet and David the king, he doesn't need the help of man. If this is the Lord's will, God will crown him king. But somehow he needed help. He struggled for everything that he had because of his pride. We see thirdly, fourthly, pride leads to self-destruction. Proverbs 16 says, Pride goeth before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. I'm just saying this decision that Adonijah made that says, I'm going to exalt myself and I'm going to be king. First of all, it was prideful, but number two, it was presumptuous. He presumed he would be king. Why? Well, obviously, because he's the oldest son of David. It lined up with the culture and the customs of the day. He, he, he just allowed it to take over his life and he began to scheme and he began to think, what will it be like to be king? And yet it was not the Lord's will. His pride and his presumptuousness kept him from seeking the Lord's will. That's really the point we want to make tonight. Pride and presumptuousness will keep us from seeking the Lord's will. We have to be really careful. A lot of times we'll come across situations where somebody will say, well, I'm a better teacher than that person, but God didn't appoint you. I, could, I had a guy years ago tell me all the time, I can preach better than you. Praise the Lord. One day God might give you a pulpit. But God didn't choose you. I don't know why God chose me. I don't know why. But we have to be very careful not to promote ourselves. Pride and presumptuous will lead to a lot of sin. And Adonijah began to unravel in his life. And it stands to reason that Adonijah perhaps would have been a great leader for Solomon. 
He already had the ear of some of the people. He was able to throw a great banquet. We'll see in a moment. And, and, and many, many people came to that thing. And, and he had the support of many. He could have been a great general. He could have been a second in charge. He could have been a leader. God had a plan for his life, no doubt. But he missed out of it because he was pride and because of his presumptuousness. I want you to see, secondly, the sorrow of stretched expectations. We talked, first of all, about the sin of self-exaltation. But I want to talk about the sorrow of stretched expectations. You ever, you ever got excited about something, got your expectations way up, and then it got pulled out from among you, underneath you? And just, that just happened this week to us, my wife and I. And it was nothing to cry about, but we were, we were pretty excited. I got invited to go down to Ohio and preach, and, and I was asked to come down. And, and I said, yeah, that'd be okay. And they gave us, the, I said, let me know the dates first, and let's look at the calendar. And they gave me the date, and I said, that is perfect. That is the Sunday before March break. My wife can go. We can spend a few days with our daughter uh, because we have to get a test before we can come back, and that takes three days or whatever. We'll spend that time with Emily and Matthew. And we thought, man, that is perfect, wonderful. Somebody, God opened a door for us to go see our kids, and I'll preach on Sunday and spend a couple days with them, and I'll be back here for Wednesday night. And we were excited, and we were, we were making our plans, we were excited about it. And then the preacher wrote me, and he says, my wife just reminded me, that's time change Sunday. Can you come another week? I said, no. I said, honestly, I can't because I said, of the test, we have to wait a few days and my wife's teaching school. So I said, we can't, we can't just get back. That's the only week it would have worked because of spring break. But man, you ever get your expectations up and get excited about something and then it's gone. Adonijah had his expectations all stretched. I wonder how many years, perhaps at the death of Absalom, he started to think, oh, I'm next. I'm the next one. I, I am David's oldest son. And certainly he's not going to put Solomon on the throne. He's the son of an adulterous affair. And maybe I would be the next. But it wasn't to be. We notice some things about the things that fed his expectations. Notice in verse 6. His father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? He was never dissuaded. There was no reason for him to doubt it. David had never said to him, you won't be king. I don't know if that was an oversight on the part of David, if he was afraid to have that conversation with his son, if he didn't want to sit down and say, listen, you're just not fit to be the king. I don't believe you're to be the king. God has told me that Solomon should be the next king. David, for whatever reason, never told Adonijah, and so his expectations grew. And then his pride swelled. And everything started playing together. And we can start to see what happened in this young man's life. His, his father never dissuaded him. Not only that, he was not disqualified. Notice what the Bible says in verse 6. And his father had not displeased him at any time, saying, Why hast thou done so? And he was also a very goodly man. He was a good man. There, there was nothing in his character or his deportment or anything in his life that said, This man shouldn't be king. There was no reason for people not to, to follow him as king. He was a good man. I wonder sometimes if we fool ourselves for some similar reasons. Nobody's ever told me I can't, and I'm a good guy, I'm a good person. And we allow our pride to take us to the next step. I want you to notice as well, he was the next designated. 
He was the next oldest child. There was no reason why he shouldn't be king. And all these things fed his false expectations. So I want you to notice a third thing. Notice this. The slippery slope of supporting error. The slippery slope of supporting error. Now notice what happens, all right? Look at verse 7. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and Abiathar, the priest, and they following Adonijah helped him. They helped him. Now, I, I don't know anything about these men very much, but here's what I do know. Abiathar was a priest. In my mind, that means he should have been at least a godly man. I think when you're a priest, you ought to pray. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that? Maybe you can consult with God about things. But I don't think Abiathar was thinking right here. So instead of going to God in prayer and seeking God's face and saying, God, is, is this the man that would be king? And if he's the man that would be king and he's asking my help and advice, I will help him because you've ordained this to be. Instead, he just throws his lot in and supports the error of Adonijah. Joab would do the same thing. He gets behind, and I would suggest to you tonight that it's a, a good lesson for us. You're going to see the outcome in a little bit, all right? We're going to get there. I'm just kind of introducing the story and sharing with you, and you're going to see the outcome of all this in a few minutes. Uh, but I would say it is very, very dangerous to throw your lot in with somebody who is not speaking the truth. And though Adonijah thought he would be the next king, these men jumped in wholeheartedly and eventually would cost them very, very much. You know, we live in a very divided society today and everybody's following this guy or following this guy and following this guy. Could, could I encourage you to do something? Get back to following this. Get back to following Christ. Make this the authority in your life. I've read recently some, some statements of faith, and over the last year I've been kind of looking at other churches online, and I wanted to see what they were doing as far as church services and how they were doing their online ministry. I'd like to see and get some ideas from other places. How are they presenting devotions, and how are they doing their church services, and how are they doing music, and all the rest. And so I was looking at that, and when I was there, I'd look at some of their statements of faith and just see what it says. And, and most of them say something very similar, but they would say this, that the Bible is our final Final authority for faith and practice. I have a problem with that statement. Here's why. To say it is the final authority implies that there is some other authority. It is the only rule for faith and practice. There is nothing else. It's final because it's exclusive. This is how we lead our lives. This is the final word of God to mankind. This is the mind of Christ given to the heart of man. It is the word of God and we must not be focusing on all the voices in our lives. And I would suggest to you that Joab and Abiathar, the priests, would have been better off if they had sought God instead of believing this man and following him. We have to be very careful who we follow. And so they started down a slippery slope. The Bible says they participated in verse 5 in a royal parade. 
Adonijah reigned this parade to openly declare his coronation and his ascension to the throne. Then we see in verse 8 a remarkable protest. Notice what it says. But Zadok the priest and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada and Nathan the prophet and Shimei and Rei and mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. All the men that stayed with David said we're not going with Adonijah. Some might say, well, they're just waiting until David dies before they choose another king to follow. That was not it at all. Being so close to the king, listen, good principle here. Being so close to the king, they knew the heart of the king. So I'm having a hard time discerning the will of God. Get close to the king, and you'll know the heart of the king. Get close to the king, and you'll know the heart of the king. Remember I mentioned earlier Nathan the prophet? You see, in those days, there was a lot of priests. There was one great high priest. But there was lots of priests. There was priests that would do the work of the temple. There was priests that would sacrifice. The tribe of Levi were a tribe of priests. So to have these two different men, both called priests, is not a surprise. But in those days, there was a prophet. His name was Nathan. Nathan, of course, rebuked David, didn't he, for the sin of Bathsheba. But it was also Nathan who was the voice of God. If I'm Abiathar, I hope and pray that as I'm observing this situation, he's a priest and I'm looking at all the things going on, I'd go, wait a minute. Nathan is not for this. The one who represents God on earth, the one who is the voice of God on earth, the one that proclaims to us the will of God and the words of God, he has not endorsed Adonijah. He is not behind this new coronation. Perhaps I should draw back. So now it starts to look like a power grab, doesn't it? It doesn't look like the will of God at all for Nathan is on the other side. So we see a royal parade. We see a remarkable protest. I want you to notice a revealing party. Verse 9, and Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zolath, which is by Enrogel, and called all his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants, but Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. He knew something was up, didn't he? Why wouldn't he invite Solomon? Because he knew what God wanted. It's a revealing party. It tells us a lot by as much as who were not invited as to who was invited. Let me say this. More dreams have been shattered and hopes destroyed through pride and presumptuousness than anything else. Now let me give you tonight, and here's the message, all right, in 10 minutes. Three things. Help us to avoid a similar slippery slope. How can we avoid the pride and the the unraveling? And and we're going to show you what happens to these three characters in just a minute, all right? There's, trust me, you don't want to suffer the same fate. Number one, we need an acceptance of God's will. An acceptance of God's will. I was just talking to somebody just a short time ago and and uh, they're planning a trip to Israel. And I said, I'm a little concerned about your trip to Israel. And they said, oh, it's all in God's hands. Well, that's the right answer. That's the right answer. 
We fret and we worry and we need to understand that God has a plan. I remember going to Africa back in 2007 and we, we got into um, the airport uh, in, in Ghana, Accra, Ghana, and we were going to Liberia. It was Sunday morning, it was early, it was like 6 a.m. and we were getting on this early flight and we were flying into Monrovia, Liberia, and we'd be preaching the Sunday morning service there, preaching a Sunday evening service and then spending a few days there with Pastor Peter Gibior. And we were looking forward to this trip. And uh, we, we get into the airport and we sat there and we sat there and we sat there. And they finally they said, there's been a problem with the airplane. They needed to fix a couple rivets on the panel. And when they were drilling the hole, they drilled right through into a wiring harness and they messed up some of the electrical. And, and we always used to say, Wawa, West Africa wins again. That's just the way it is. And so... They wouldn't let us leave. And the way they did it there was there was this little room, like a school portable, out on the tarmac. It would, so you go to your gate. Instead of sitting at a gate with benches and air conditioning, they put you in this. They okay, go through this door. They took your ticket, and you waited in this little room, and that's where you loaded the plane. On the tarmac, four degrees above the equator for eight hours. It was crazy. If we went to the bathroom, they said, you can't go to the bathroom. We've already taken your ticket. You can't leave this room. And we said, oh. And finally, there was a fellow that was taking the same flight as us to Monrovia on a layover to Iraq. How many of you know back in those days, our relationship with Iraq wasn't all that good? And he got angry. And he stood there and started screaming. And I turned to Jim and I said, do we want to get on a plane with a guy from Iraq that's that angry right there? And he says, I don't think so. And so we, we went and we, kind of, we said, could we, could we just leave and get a refund on our tickets? They said, well, we don't know if you can get a refund, but here's your ticket back and you can try. And we did. We were able to get a refund about two months later. We left and we heard two days later, we, we, went, we got back in Craw, we went to the evening service there at Christian Borg Baptist Church, and uh, Brother Newhart was able to preach, and so we had a good time and made it to church. We heard two days later that in Monrovia, they had a terrible outbreak of some terrible disease. I don't even remember what it was. And that all kinds of people that were going through the airport were getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a hospital in West Africa. And I thought, now we know why the Lord wouldn't let us get on that plane. It's all in his hands. And I got to be honest, you, you, Africa was a once-in-a-lifetime once trip. Well, I've done it twice, but it was once-in-a-lifetime, I thought. And, and I thought, whenever, what other time will I get to go to Liberia, go to Monrovia, and go to, to these churches out in the jungles, in the villages? What, how many opportunities in life do we get like that to preach to a jungle church and and listen to their music. Oh, they love to sing in Africa. You Four-part harmony, that's nothing. They got 12, 15-part harmony. It's incredible. They love the Lord. I was disappointed. But I could have died in Liberia. The Lord knows. And we need to learn how to accept his will. Adonijah didn't know how to do that. Look, if you will, 1 Kings 1 Kings chapter 2. Jump over just a chapter. We're going to see what happened to this fella. Look at verse 13 of chapter 2. And Adonijah 
the son of Haggith came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. Now, let me give you a recap very quickly what happened in the 50 verses in between. Solomon is now king. While they are celebrating this great dinner, and you saw in verse 9 of chapter 1, they were slaying all these animals, sheep and oxen and cattle, and they were having a great feast, and all the brothers of David were invited except for Solomon, and all the mighty men except for David's, and, and, and he just had this great big feast, and he's proclaiming that he is now the king, and the Bible tells us that Nathan caught wind of it, and he went to Bathsheba. And he said to Bathsheba, he said, did not David tell you that your son Solomon was king? That God has ordained him to be the king? And she said, yes, that's right. She says, I want you to go in and I want you to tell David. David, could you make Solomon king? That needs to happen before you die. They need to have your stamp of approval on him. And he says, as you're doing that, I, as the prophet of God, will follow in. And I will also say the same thing to David. And so David did that. He made Solomon king. And they blew trumpets and they got excited about his coronation. And while that feast was going on, somebody came and said, what is all that racket? What are all those trumpets in the street? And they said, they've made Solomon king. The Bible says that scared them. They went and they fled for their lives because they knew that they had hitched their wagon to the wrong team. And so now here we are, Solomon has forgiven them. He says specifically about Adonijah, he says, if it turns out that he's a good man, he says, I'm not going to bother, not one hair from his head will fall. He says, it's fine, it's okay. He says, but if there's wickedness in his heart, I will shed his blood. I'll, I'll take care of this. So Adonijah had been holding onto the horns of the altar, the Bible says. And they finally went and they got him and said, it's okay. And now he comes and he submits himself to Solomon. But now in verse 13 of chapter 2, he comes to Bathsheba. And she said, comest thou peaceably? She knows what kind of character he is. And he said, peaceably. He said, moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, say on. And he said, thou knowest that the kingdom was mine and that all Israel set their faces on me that I should reign. Howbeit the kingdom is turned about and has become my brother's for it was his from the Lord. So Adonijah looks like he's done some growth, doesn't it? He says, I understand now that the kingdom belonged to Solomon and it's from the Lord. At least he's saying the right things. Whether he believes it in his heart or not, we don't know. But he's saying, I believe it was the Lord's will. Verse 16. And now I ask one petition of thee, deny me not. And she said unto him, say on. And he said, speak, I pray thee, unto Solomon the king, for he will not say thee nay, that he give me Abishag the Shunammite to wife. This was the young virgin girl that was to warm David. She was his nurse, his physician. Now think about what he's asking. In order for David to have this young girl come in, you say, why, why was it important that she was a virgin? Because he was going to take her to be a wife or a concubine. That was the qualification for that. For him, her to come into his bed and to warm him, she had to be his wife. And so now he's saying, let me have David's wife. Let me have this young girl. Now David is gone, but he says, let me have her. In verse 18, and Bathsheba said, well... I will speak for thee unto the king. 
Bathsheba therefore went unto King Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her and sat down on his throne and caused the seat to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of thee, I pray, saying me not nay. And the king said unto her, ask on my mother, for I will not say thee nay. Now he is not saying, I won't say no to your question. He's saying, I'm going to let you ask a question. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to deny you making a request. And that's what that exchange is about. You see, you couldn't just go up and ask a king. You had to ask him if you could ask him. And so he says, don't don't say no. Let me ask you something. And he says, okay, go ahead. Verse 21. And she said, let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife. And King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, and why dost thou ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also? For he is mine elder brother, even for him and for Abiathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zariah. Then King Solomon swear by the Lord saying, God do so to me and more also if Adonijah have not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore as the Lord liveth which hath established me and set me on the throne of David my father and who hath made me a house as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him that he died. He wasn't content. He didn't accept the Lord's will. And eventually the wickedness of his heart was revealed. And as Solomon promised, he put him to death. Look, if you will, at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I promise you we're almost done. Hold on. You shouldn't have prayed for my voice. That's the problem. James chapter 4, verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So what was the problem with him taking this young lady to be his wife? Because she belonged to the king. She was symbolic of the reign of David. And so he thought that he could take her and parade her about the land and say that he should be the rightful king. Solomon knew right away. He says, what, should you give him the kingdom also? Is that really what he wants? If he has this wife beside him that was once the wife of King David, he's one step closer to the throne. He doesn't understand the will of God at all. He says, so today I'll require his blood. We need to learn how to accept the will of God. Number two, number one, an acceptance of God's will. Number two, a contentment with God's provisions. A contentment with God's provisions. The life of Adonijah is marked by lost potential. No doubt God had a plan for him in Solomon's kingdom, but it was squandered because he wanted more than God had planned for him. First Kings chapter 1, look at verse 49. You should just turn back a page, likely. Verse 49. And all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and rose up and went every man his way. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and rose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. 
And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feareth King Solomon, for lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. He knew right away that he was in trouble because he was coveting something that did not belong to him. He was not content with what the station God had placed him in in this life. Now look at 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 16. He asked for the Shunammite woman. He's not content. And eventually God takes his life. This attitude led to his death. He wasn't content. Do you know that the Bible says that covetousness It's just as bad as murder. It doesn't sound so bad to us. But when we are covetous, we are railing against God's plan for our life because we're saying, God, what you have given me is not good enough. I want more. I desire more. I want God to, I I just want to take it rather than wait on what God has for me. We need to learn how to be content with what God has provided for us. And here's the third thing, a dedication to God's truth. We need to learn to accept God's will. We need to learn to have a contentment with God's provision. Listen, are, are you happy with what you have? Can I suggest you do this? If you're not happy with what you have, if you have a genuine need, pray and ask God for it. God, I need this. This is something that will take care of my family. This is something that, that that's not just to consume upon my own lust, but instead I want to bring you glory with it. I need help. And God will bless so, but we need to learn to be content. And thirdly, we need to be dedicated to God's truth. You know, the Bereans were very careful. They didn't even let the apostles get away with preaching lest they confirmed it with God's word. They made sure that it was truth. Abiathar, the priest, was vanquished. You see, what happened to these other guys? Abiathar was vanquished. We see next that he goes and, and they catch up with Abiathar and David says, I'm not going to kill thee because of all the good you did for my father David. But I'm going to vanquish you to a field where you came from and you can farm that field and you can supply for your own needs, but I am not going to supply for you anymore and you are no longer a priest. Vanquished and shamed. Why? Because he didn't love truth. He got hooked up with the wrong guy. He was in the wrong crowd. See, what happened to Joab? Joab followed the example of Adonijah. When he heard that that Solomon was upset, he went and he grabbed onto the horns of the altar. And the Bible says that Solomon sent somebody to kill him and he went in and he says, hey, would you you step outside for a minute? And he says, nah, I'm staying right here. And so he says, if he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me right here at the altar. So he went back to Solomon. Solomon says, all right, kill him at the altar and bury him right there. And he did. He went back and he killed Joab right there at the altar. And he was buried. Why? Because the truth was Solomon should have been king. But they went after this falsehood, this fake king. You see, we have something similar going on in our world today, don't we? We have the king of kings, but then we have this fake small G God running around. The prince in the power of the air he's called. Like a roaring lion. And we so often follow after him. And we miss out on God's truth and God's best. We must dedicate ourselves to God's will. Be content with what God has given us. Let me just say this. Be careful who you hitch your wagon to. 
Because when Adonijah went down, so did Joab and Abiathar. They went down with him. You are judged by your beliefs. And you say, well, they didn't have the word of God. They didn't have a book they could open and say, well, how do we discern the will of God? Those were all scrolls that were in the synagogues and the temple. They, they couldn't just open a Bible in their home likely. They had just little pieces of scripture they'd put in on their forehead and over their doors. Here's what they had. They had Nathan the prophet. They had the voice of God speaking through this man. And nobody sought him. And so what do we do next? And because of it, pride welled up. I suppose Abiathar thought, this Zoab, he's already the priest for Solomon, but if I hitch my wagon to Adonijah, I've got a chance to be something. Joab thought, oh, he's got lots of counselors over there with Solomon, but Adonijah's talking to me, and so his pride was stroked a little bit, and he thought, maybe I've got a chance to be something. And it cost them everything just because of pride. Let's bow tonight and ask God to help us. God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. We see so clearly Adonijah was just governed by his own pride. The Bible says he exalted himself. What a horrible thing to be said about us. You're proud. God talks in Proverbs about the abominations and a proud look is one of them. Pride. It leadeth to destruction. Pride comes before a fall. Would to God that we'd be a humble people seeking him and his will and content with everything that he gives us dedicated to the truth of God. Let's stand tonight. The instruments are playing. <clears throat> oh, that God would humble us.